Hello and welcome to another comedian's interview for my blog, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 800 comedians and counting over the last 46 years. My guest today is the brilliant Jen Brister. Yes! Woo! Hello! How thank are you? you, Richard. I'm good, lovely. How are you? I'm great, thank you very much. Lovely to see you, and thank you so much for doing this. Absolute um, pleasure. Thank you. It's going to be an interview all about your comedy career, and I'd like to go way back to the start and ask you, how did you become a comedian? Ah... Uh. Wow, that is the question that I ask myself often. Um, I became a comedian partly by accident, probably, but I started, my very first gig was because I did a theatre, a drama and theatre degree at Middlesex University, and they had a stand-up comedy course as part of the degree. And so I did my very first gig in um, at Downstairs at the King's Head in Crouch End. Know it well. Um, in back in the day, 1996, wow. and uh, I know, but due to a lot of uh, procrastination, uh, distraction, and deviation, it has taken me 600 years to get to where I am now. <laughs> I don't believe that for one minute. <laughs> it's 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 been it's been a long old journey to get to the middle of the table in wow. terms of comedy, but there we are. Um, I. Uh, I don't know what I was doing for most of my twenties, but not focused. But that's how I started, and that's where I got the bug. Wow! I I I used I used to live in Crouch End uh, in 1995, and I used to go to downstairs the King's Head there all the time. And I first saw Harry Hill there thirty odd years ago, and to this day, as the greatest opening line ever to a to a comedy act, he brushed past me jumped up on stage and said ladies and gentlemen I'm really sorry I had to have a testicle brought down and uh, I'm really sorry I'm late I had to have a testicle brought down and paused got a laugh and then he said from Derby <laughs> and I love that club it's a perfect club I, I went back there oh about just about two years ago and it hasn't changed at all it's it, it's it's such a good good uh, good good place it's it's what you imagine stand-up comedy club to look like yeah yeah in a dingy so. basement uh, below a pub so your your first gig was 1996 did you say is that was that the year Yes, but but I did I didn't do anything with it for a long time after that. I, I did the I did a, like a dozen uh, open mic gigs uh, from ninety six to ninety seven, um, and then I went away. I went sort of bobbing about backpacking for a while. I did a few gigs in Australia. Um, I used to do these gigs in a pub called the Espy in Melbourne. Um, that would have been in nineteen ninety eight or something. Yeah. And I was that was that was terrifying. The chap who ran the the gigs was very kind to me. He obviously, I was I was very hit and miss. But he obviously saw something in me. He was like, just keep coming back, just keep coming back, and uh, I'll always get you on if I can. And and if you bomb, just come back and do it again. And I just I just kept thinking, why would I come after I've died? Why would on earth would you would a I want to do that again? But why would you have me back? I've, I've literally just stunk the room out. I mean, there's people, there's people who are, who just can't even get eye contact with me. And um, he was like, "Oh, that's just part of the 
fell thing, you know, don't worry about it, mate, come back. Anyway, um, I, I bombed quite a bit. I, I, I was very, at the beginning of my uh, open mic stand-up career, I was either, I'd either do really well or I would bomb to the point of just, yeah, I mean, like, just eye-wateringly bad. I was just terrible. <laughs> so so I've, I, used, I used to find it very traumatic doing stand-up comedy because I just didn't know what was working on how to make it work or, how, or what wasn't working and why it wasn't working. That it was a complete lottery if I... If if the gig went well or not, yeah, and that's yeah. and that that's that's why I I just couldn't for a long time I couldn't I I, I couldn't do it because I, I it was so the deaths were so bad. <laughs> oh dear me! Oh. Um, but that's a it's a long time ago, so you know. But as you progress, there's obviously more and more experience. The more you do, and it is one of those things that that as I say the more you the, the more you get out on stage and do it the better you are or the, or the more experience you get um what do you mainly like to talk about on stage um I mean god knows what do I, <laughs> what, what do I talk about on stage I mean at the moment I certainly talk about my children a fair a bit fair bit and being a parent and um you know, I talk about whatever's happening in my life, and I suppose at the moment, being the mum of very young children, that that dominates a big part of, yeah, of yeah. my life. But um, in my shows, I suppose if, if I've got an hour and I've got a bit more time, I like to talk about things that are that I suppose are a bit more uh, broad. You know, in, t- in terms of the subjects, things that are more societal rather than than personal. But I I I, I always my spin is always this is my I very much come from a personal perspective and whatever I'm talking about whatever it is whether it be you know period poverty or the patriarchy or the parenting it's, it's 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 drawn from my experience so I tend to make all of my comedy very very personal um so I, that's probably it really that's one of the magic things I love about it though because you when you go out on stage you look at the audience and you say right i am going to make you laugh no matter what but it's the person it's the personal side of you that makes you very endearing and very warm to an audience so they're drawn in and listening to you which is half of it i think yeah i think that took me a long time to get to that point where i could talk to the audience mm. rather than talk at them i mm. think the talking to them was something i learned after many, many years and many, many hours on stage. And I feel like with the trick with, the, with stand-up comedy is to make the audience feel like they're part of the conversation, even though you actually don't want them to, to say anything. Could you not talk, actually? Um, so, yeah, it, 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 it's, it, you, you are trying to make a connection, even if you're ranting and raving and whatever it is that you're doing or you're, you're wanting to appear high status or low status, yeah. you're trying to make a connection with the audience because it, it's in that connection that you'll make them laugh. Well, so. that is a reason for my blog because um, I went on a writing course to try and improve, to try and improve my writing skills before I, I started the blog. And I was with a load of people who wanted to be a reviewer 
and the, the woman said to me, we forget about you. Why, why are you here? And I said, well, I'm not a diarist. I'm not, an in, I'm, I'm not a, a critique. I'm not a reviewer. I'm a member of the audience out to have a good time and praise the heroes in my mind that will walk out and have to, not have to, but, but fearlessly um, make everybody laugh. I think, I think it's an extraordinary thing that you do and uh, it can only be a positive thing it must be amazing when it goes well um yes it 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 you know the gigs it's quite weird actually because and i think any comedian will tell you this that the gigs that go well you don't remember no You don't you don't remember the gigs that have gone well. You only remember the times that you've bombed. So almost um, not to say that gigs that go well are forgettable, but you don't take them home with you. No. Often if, if a gig's gone well, I'll go, right, great job done. Off I go. But if a gig has really not gone well, then I will t- that stays with me. That will stay with me till the day I die. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, that's, but yeah, that's the difference. Have you ever find, found it difficult at all? Did you ever find it difficult at all to break through into comedy? Because Richard, of... yes. <laughs> it's the very short answer to that. Because there's so, I can imagine, because there's so many different people wanting to voice their opinion, um, did, were you, did you get nervous when you go on stage? Did, did you feel as though... When you walked out there, were you extremely confident at the start or? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The reason I'm saying no. this because you are now. You, you appear now confident and fearless, I think. I, I think now I am. I'm, 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 I have done so many gigs. I, I've done so many hours on stage for so many years that there are very few situations where I walk on stage and I go, oh, I haven't done this before and I don't know what this audience are like. Or I, I, if this happened, how would I respond? How would I react? <laughs> I've been in every single situation, every single room and every single, you know, club in the country and all over the world. Uh, 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 I've experienced it all. I don't think there's anything that can happen in a room now that I haven't wow. dealt with. So that, that feeling of confidence comes from, I've been there, done that. But when you start out, you certainly don't have that confidence. And even if you think you're being confident, it's 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 not real. It's not true. It's not until you, I suppose it's that whole trope about do it ten for, for ten thousand hours and then you are an expert. But and I've definitely done my ten thousand hours. That that I'm not thinking about what I'm doing when I'm on stage anymore. No, it no. just feels it, it. I'm not thinking. I'm not panicking. And I'm not. Um, I'm not second guessing myself, and I did all of those things when I started. Mm, mm. I would be—it'd almost be like watching myself what doing stand up rather than just being in the moment. So, um, in answer to your question, it took me forever to do, to get to to anywhere in the in the in in my career. Uh, I was dre- I was desperately nervous when I first started, and um, inconsistent, and yeah, not good. Well, now I think you're fantastic. Since I've seen you, you make me laugh so much. And I know you'll think, oh, yeah, I say that to everybody. But you stand out. There is something about your performance that is so warm and endearing, as well as being exceptionally funny, that makes me 
laugh and it and and my friends around me whoever i take along to see you have all said how wonderful you are so please take the compliment i'm, I'm not, gonna I know take you, it. i know you're not a great one for compliments but please do you know i'm a big fan <laughs> um uh in 2018 you were support to frankie boyle tell me about that experience uh yeah i i supported frankie actually probably 2016 to 2019 right something like that um so it was a massive tour no um he wasn't actually touring he right. had a resident he'd had he had a residency in at the leicester square theater oh, i see yeah yeah and so uh for his uh one when he had a special coming out and then uh when he had maybe if he had live with the apollo or if he had frankie ball's new world order whatever he was doing he would work it out um and you know we did i, I did do some gigs with him up in scotland as well i've done some gigs with him in glasgow at the king's theater as well i did a week of gigs with him there yeah. four or five days but predominantly we've been in london and i i really enjoy i really enjoyed it and I really enjoy watching him work and his process and his company. You know, um, that's brilliant. He's he's a very clever, cerebral, um, gentle man. He is, yeah. He's very, but but very cutting, very intelligent as well with his comedy. He really is. He's pin sharp. He's pin sharp. That's a yeah. really good way of describing him. He, there's literally not a single ounce of fat on any of his jokes. <laughs> there is not a word. There's not one extra word used. He, he's, it's, it's meticulous the way he writes. And he takes, I can't tell you how seriously he takes the whole process to the point where I think, oh my God, I got up my game because I am black. I am blagging this. He, there's no blagging with Frankie. He's, he's, um, he'll work everything out to the, to the letter. Yeah. And um, his work ethic is second to none, mm. you know. And, and, you know, his output is as well. But, yeah, I mean, I, there's no one that can... At the moment, in terms of joke writing, I don't think there's anyone that can write a joke like Frankie can right oh, he's, now. He's, he's brilliant. He, he did a lot of warm-up shows for his TV show. Um, at a comedy, at, at always be comedy that I went to, and you could tell uh, in his mind he was going, "That's not working. That's working." And and he was dropping things and putting things in straight off the bat. It was very very quick, uh, quick minded, very quick minded. Yeah, he is very quick because yeah. he's he's really bloody clever. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes conversations with him, I'd be like, "I've got to back out of this because." <laughs> Intellectually, I can't handle this, whatever this chat is. <laughs> Let's move on to Edinburgh. I go and spend my holidays at the Edinburgh Fringe. You I'm, I'm absolute loon. Very, I'm very fortunate to do so. Um, I first went in 2005 and I've been going every year since. Um, what was your first Edinburgh festival like? Um, well, the first couple of times I went, it was just for a week here and a week there, which would have been the late 90s. And then in 2000, I went and I just did like a few a handful of gigs. Yeah. 
And then I went in 2002 for a competition, which I'd won this competition. I mean, by this point, I shouldn't really have been doing competitions. I don't know. But anyway, and I got two, and then that was, I got to spend two weeks at the Edinburgh Festival with that competition doing 10 minutes in a show thing. And then I didn't go up with my first show until 2006. Um, which I did my very first show, which was called Me, My Mum and I, to little to no uh, <laughs> hubbub or fuss or anything, um, or acclaim. Um, and that was the most traumatic experience of my entire comedy career that wow. year. I think it actually put me off from doing a solo show for about five years wow because it was so bad it was so bad it, I, it was sorry i don't know if you hear my <laughs> <screaming in the bottom. laughs> don't know. Oh, sorry about that it's bedtime and uh <laughs> All right. bed, bed, bedtime's always a struggle um yeah i i really i really i i I was doing everything on my own. I produced it. I was flyering it myself, obviously doing the show. Um, I uh, lost probably about, I don't know, I lost a stone that oh, month um, from trying to do everything, you know, trying to do my show and running yeah, around yeah. And, um, and not eating properly. Um, I got quite sick about two and a half weeks in. I lost my voice. Um I was very lonely. Um, I was obviously overcompensating with a lot of booze in the evening, which I don't know if you know this, uh, Richard, but actually alcohol is a depressant. Yeah. It's a little fact for you there. Yeah, yeah, so generally the whole thing was a bit of a disaster. I really liked my show and I was quite pleased with my show. For a first show, I think it was a perfectly good show, to be fair, to myself. But I just wasn't getting... um, I didn't have a big machine behind me. I didn't have any PR... The whole thing was a bloody shambles, really. Um, Actually, I did have PR, but they were crap. So um, I was at the Pleasance Courtyard. My posters never turned up. So I didn't have any, I didn't even have posters of myself around the courtyard. So I was completely invisible. And um, long story short, it was uh, a nightmare. So, um, you know, some some days I would have an audience, and some days I would have like five people after I'd been flying all day. And it, by the by the third week, I just I was like losing the world to live. Um, oh, yeah, but so that that must have been quite traumatic to say the least. Uh, I mean, just awful. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, but but you know, I mean. I'm, you know, on the flip side of it was I made you know good friends with other comedians. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually was very by the end of that month I was quite match fit. Yeah, but I just didn't have the support I needed. The agent I had was trying to steer me towards pre- presenting instead of stand up comedy. I wish I'd had an agent that had pushed my comedy. I had one that was trying to get me out of stand up, right. and, and I was very resistant to that. But the long, the long, the long, and the short of it was that I didn't end up doing another solo show till 2011, wow. and I didn't really put much emphasis on my comet stand-up for a long time. For about another two years, I, I, after that, I kind of the two years after that Edinburgh, I sort of 
went, right, I'm not going to do stand-up anymore. I'm going to do something else. Because my agent was telling me to do something else. And my my heart was like, I can, can, can you go to Edinburgh and go through that again? I don't think you can. So let's try something else. So in 2008, I did a sketch show with a friend of mine called Reception, which we again, we did that at the Pleasance. And in 2009, by this point, I had lost all any momentum that I'd got from 2006 had gone. Wow. And I had to start back at the beginning again. And I was back doing a, um, a package show, which I did uh, called The Comedy Zone, which yeah. I did with Ed Gamble, Chris yeah. Ramsey. And um, uh, oh, my God. That is absolutely dreadful that I've forgotten his name. Don't <laughs> cut this bit out. Because that... <laughs> I just had a stroke. <laughs> Ed Gamble, Chris Ramsey, you. And... and um, Okay, well, anyway, let's Don't move on. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, that is really terrible, and uh, let's 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 definitely cut that out. Yeah. Anyway, so I did the Comedy Zone in 2009, and, uh, and, I, and that also was incredibly traumatic because um, I was just miserable doing that package show because they were very young. I was, I was in my mid-30s, you know, it, we were just, it was all kind of, so, I felt like, so, I felt like I was starting again from the beginning, even though yeah, I'd yeah. been going for a long time. And my ego was very fragile. And Avalon had made it clear that they weren't really interested in me. And that I found very traumatic as well. Um, bit like being in an abusive relationship where you're like, love me. And they're like, yeah. uh, only if you change. And you're like, I don't know how to change. So, so, so you obviously had this determination to keep going even although it was very traumatic because now you're very successful at, at, at what you do and, and and you get really good audiences so again it's all however bad the experience may be you're determined to come through and become a superb comedian yeah i one thing i um, yeah, one thing I do have in spades is stamina, yeah, and um, yeah. um, and also I think that I made a decision sort of around 2009 when I could see these young men getting all the opportunities and I wasn't getting any. Yeah, um, that I was like, okay, the only thing I can do is get good at comedy. That's all I can do. And then if I get good at comedy, maybe somebody will notice. And so my, so really from 2009 until today, my only focus, um, it's not been to get on television and it's not been, it's not, it's none of those. It's just get really good at stand-up comedy, as good as you can get and then hope that people notice. And, you know, I feel like that's a really good attitude to have towards um, what you do because yeah. ultimately whatever happens, if you're really good at what you do and it's not about, hey, it's not about, you haven't focused on the PR, you focused on the, the content, um, no one can take that away from you. And eventually somebody will go, why hasn't this person yeah. been given a break? They're really great. Yeah. You know, so, um, and that happened with me really with my agent and with my um opportunities in in terms of t the, the, the limited of the few opportunities i've had in telly have, have come that way as well so but i feel like in terms of the club circuit that that came a lot quicker because it was very much more meritocratic so yeah 
by 2011 after you know after working my ass off for two years uh, by 2011 2012 i was getting the club gigs i wanted that's brilliant so, because um so, i've told i've told this story to, to many a comedian who uh i've, I've, I've interviewed uh, i i had a go at stand-up comedy once at edinburgh um, I wanted to get it out of my system. I thought, I thought I've seen so many. I'll go on a um, gong show. So I know the guy who runs the Free Fringe, and he said, "Oh yeah," he said. He said, uh, "We've got one going on a Monday afternoon at the Haymarket with. Um, it's just the audience is all old people." I said, "Everything right. I said, you're right. saying it, sounds it, wrong." It couldn't be any worse. So I, I had this script that I did about me uh, crashing cars in Carlisle, my home city. I used to I, I, I used to love driving, but I was never very good at it. And he loved it. And he said, well, go out, knock them dead, and you'll be great. And there was three people in the crowd. And I walked out. And the first thing I said was, hello, ladies and gentlemen. People think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And of course, I'm his double. And one old bloke at the back went, fuck off, and come me off. So, oh, my God, <laughs> tough crowd. Tough crowd, Rich. <laughs> so I walked off to my own footsteps, and the promoter said, have another go, another go. Same thing happened, and I said, I said, I think my place is in the audience. I will support them forevermore. Never oh. say never again, but... Well, it I don't is. think that's a. I don't. I don't think gong shows are necessarily no. the place to, 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 to see if something's working. If the first, if if on an introduction someone tells you to fuck off and gongs you off, I mean, give, get, get, let you have a go for goodness' sake. Well, at least I can say I had a go, and as I say, never say never again. But I, I really. I sit there uh, at, at, at a comedy gig, and I, the, the admiration and my passion for the the art is, in, I hope, is amazing, and the blog and everything. Um, I will support you all forevermore because I think it's great. Um, when I saw you at Edinburgh, I saw your, two of your solo shows. I saw Meaningless in 2018, and I saw Underprivileged in 2019. Uh, as well as all your many performances you've done for Always Be Comedy and elsewhere. I saw you at the Greenwich Film Festival this year. Can you describe your writing process and where you get your ideas from? If there is a process, I'm, I'm interested in how you construct a show. Um, I spend a very long time thinking about the show before I even begin writing it. Right. So I have a lot of ideas of things, of themes that I want to talk about or discuss. And then I'll look at um, I'll look at what I've got. I might already have a bit of material that I've got and I'll go, what can I do with this? How can I how can I build on on this tiny bit of material that I already have? And sometimes I can and sometimes I can't. And then I guess I I go away and I, I just start doing loads of new material nights and I'll just at that, and, and at that point all I'm doing is seeing what sticks seeing what material works does this work does that work da, da, da. okay so and then I'll look and I'll go okay I've got 15 minutes what, what, what what's 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 coming out from here and then I'll think about I'll think about the stuff I want to talk about 
and uh, and then I'll start trying to like a like a, like a a model maker. I'll just add bits of stuff onto it. Do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? I'm like, yeah. well, I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about that, and I want to talk about that. Okay, so how would I make that funny? And how would I? What attitude do I have to have with that? How can I? You know? And then I'll just fill a notebook full of just rants, really, and 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 then I'll try them out. Your rants um, are priceless. They really are. When you get cracking, it's it's so funny to see. <laughs> I think I think I've perfected I've perfected my rant. That's 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 finally I've, I've done that. Um, and it, it's it's I've got a director, and he'll he'll um, he'll say you know th- thematically you're avoiding certain things which I think you need to address yeah. and I'll and he'll go why why are you not talking about this why are you not talking about that or if you're talking about that why are you not linking it to this or why are you not thinking about that and and then I'll go away and go oh yeah that's a good idea I'll go no that doesn't sound right to me or you know it's, it's sort of like a process and then um by the time I'm previewing it um I've got it into some sort of semblance of a shape and then that's when I really start to hack away at it and 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 write the jokes that will eventually be in the show because prior to that it will be little bits of routines that I know work filled in with a lot of shit that doesn't and then it's just about hacking away at it you know or, or maybe I could maybe like a little bonsai tree and trimming I'd like to say trimming around it but actually you need a machete to get through the shit that I'm put, that I'm chucking at people I think you're at, putting pre- yourself down a bit absolutely, abs- absolutely not I, I particularly with underprivilege um, because I had such a short space of time to write that show because I was also um, I'd also written my book yeah. So I had a very short space of time to write under privilege, and the preview season for that was brutal. Uh, and I, I, I have no problem um, talking about my deaths and my, my failures, but but uh, that particular preview season for under privilege was, um, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it makes actually making my eyes water thinking about brutal, it. It was, as you say, yeah, it, yeah. It was, it was, it was bad. I, I, I came away thinking, I don't even know if I can do stand up comedy. So, so the fact that that show eventually became the show it is and it worked at the, at the festival. Well, you were the first. You were the first show I saw at the twenty nineteen fringe, and um, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was easily the best thing I'd seen for the first half of that week. It was just fantastic, phenomenal. Ah, thank you, Richard. I, I, I'm very proud of that show. Yeah. I'm, I'm just sorry that um, you know it didn't get the run it, it deserved with the um, touring it because of the obviously because of COVID. So that that um, I've actually made the difficult decision to 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 can it now. And uh, yeah, I saw that because I was due to come and see you. I was going to surprise you in Carlisle. I was going to go to the fire uh, station in Carlisle on the 11th of April. And I got an email saying that it'd been cancelled. I thought it may have been rescheduled, but it's it's such a shame. Yeah, it's just for a show that I wrote in, in uh, 2019 to then be doing it in 2022. Yeah, yeah. I just thought, I'm not going to want to do that. I'm yeah. not going to want to do this show in 2022. And that's what I was being offered. So I just said, look, um, or or even the end of this year, to be honest, I, I, I made it very clear. I was like, if I can get it into the first half of this year, I'll just about be able to to do this show and, and give it the, the welly it deserves. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but by the second half of this year, my, my, my heart won't be in it. 
because I, I feel like with stand-up comedy, it's it's not like it's not like a play. Mm. It doesn't for me. It, it has a shelf life, and then it's gone. And then you just and then you have to step away from that show because that show doesn't have the same relevance or the same. Um, you can't make the same connection with it. So, uh, and I'm nearing that now with it. So what I, what I will do or what I hope to do is film it. Great. And and then stick it on the internet, and then if people want to download it and or stream it, they can. That's brilliant. That's, well, that's that's something at least you're getting out of it, which is which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you've appeared many times on radio, most notably as a BBC Six DJ in 2007. Yes, that was that was my my foray away from stand up comedy, yeah. being a being being a radio presenter. Yeah, as well as a guest on the Now Show and the News Quiz, which I've been in the audience many times for both of them. I bet, yeah, I bet, yeah, yeah. absolutely, bro. That was for Radio Four and on TV with a brilliant performance at Live at the Apollo. I keep watching that back. It's so so good. Oh, um, thank you. Are there any differences, do you think, appearing on TV and radio as opposed to live stand-up? Well, I don't know how to put this. <laughs> I think that when I do stand-up, that is the, the you're getting the purest essence of me. Right because I'm talking about what I want to talk about in the way I want to talk about it. I mean, obviously, for, for the Live of the Apollo, you're not allowed to... Swearing is, is you know... But you can adapt it with the swearing and what have you. Yeah. But but even, but in terms of the content, they're pretty easy about it being adult content, as long as there's no, like, too many F-bombs. Yeah. Um, in terms of radio, you are much more limited in what you can talk about, but equally in, on shows like the News Quiz in particular, not so much the Now Show, but on the News Quiz, I, I I'm I'm exercising a muscle that I I, I that that it's, it's that's a very flabby muscle <laughs> because I haven't done I haven't <laughs> it's not it's not a strong muscle you know my strength is in stand up and doing the things like the news quiz where I'm writing jokes for a satirical show which is not comedy that I do normally requires me to exercise a different part of my brain um, yes. to write that material and I think what people need, might not realise is that when you get uh, the news quiz you get like a bump of stuff that they go right and this is what we want you to write jokes for yeah yeah and so you can spend like, you know, two days writing jokes on the news quiz and, and you might get out like not even a third of them. Right. And then even if you get a third of them out, a third of those don't make the edit. So, and you're not really in control of what, of what goes in and what goes out or sometimes people can step on your, your punchline and then you've just been rambling on with the setup and then somebody goes yeah because that reminds me of it you're like i haven't finished <laughs> um so it, it, it the the news quiz is a show that requires you to be very present and you have to be very present in the room so that you can react yeah, and yeah. the people that are best on the news quiz are the ones that are able to improvise and react in the room and i think that again in much the same way that stand-up comedy is something why i don't have to think about it i think if you do enough of those panel shows 
that also becomes something that you have the confidence to go, I don't even have to think about what I'm doing because I'm just listening and I'm going to react. Yeah, yeah. But when you first get those things, you're like, oh, you're waiting for your moment to speak. I, I've got something I want to say. You know, um, and and uh, you're not really listening to what's being what's happening. Yeah. And so I think um, you can tell the people that have done uh, done it a few times, like I have, and yeah. you can tell the people that do it every week. Was it was it similar with the Now Show then? Because the Now Show was more routines. They have guests on, and and they do a routine, and then they work their way through that. Was it was it similar a similar experience on the Now Show? No, the Now Show, um, I wrote, um, I can't remember how many minutes you have to write, but I don't know, four minutes, say, right. say a four-minute set or five-minute set. Yeah. And, um, and then you can read it out. Right. If yeah, you yeah. want to. Yeah. So I actually, the bit that I did for the Now Show ended up being in Meaningless. I did the bit about... Um, uh, about wanting my piece of the pie. I did my bit about the gender pay gap. Yeah. <laughs> and I did that bit for the Now Show. Brilliant. Lots, yeah, lots of people complained about it. Oh, I loved um, it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, some horrible lesbian banging on about feminism on the Now Show. Oh, is it is not what I pay my licence fee for? I thought, you don't pay your licence fee for Radio 4, you idiot. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, so, so, so the Now Show is... is um, is much easier, yeah, because you're just I, delivering. I, uh, um, the, when you go to the Now Show, if you're in the audience for the Now Show, they leave a, a sheet of paper on your seat with a question on, and and the question gets re- uh, they, they answer, the the daft answers get read out at the end of the half hour. Mm. And one week, it was um, what's the most ridiculous thing ever to happen to you at school? And my answer was when I was in the sixth form, I fell asleep. Uh, and somebody, some bastard tipexed my glasses, and when I woke up, I thought I'd died. That's, <laughs> that's exactly true, right? So the guest was John Culture, and it got read out on Radio 4 with him doing an impersonation of Alan Dennett. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, that's mine, that's me. <laughs> and I thought, there's a It's almost like he knows you. <laughs> it was very, very funny. Um, <laughs> Uh, does your material differ at all when you go on tour from from town to town? Uh, do you mean well when I'm doing my tour show or I'm doing a set? Well, both. Uh, not not massively. Yeah. No, I mean if I'm doing my tour show, my tour show is my tour show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they just get that, and if they don't like it, uh, tough. Um, you know, when 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 I'm when I'm up north, yeah. I, I try not to make any references about the south. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's as a as a comedian, you learn that very quickly. Don't if you've got a southern accent, don't draw attention to it. <laughs> the re- the reason I ask the question is that um, I've seen I saw I've seen Ken Dodd, I've seen Victoria Wood, and they specifically to get the audience on their side had gags about or stories about the town or city they were playing in um do you tend to do this or is is that a way to get the audience in or do you not think about that and you just i don't no 
No. I don't do that. No. I don't think you need to do that. No, no. I mean, I, I think it's a, I think it's a nice touch if you do, yeah. um, but it's, yeah. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, no. um, I wish I hadn't asked the question. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not. It's it's not a bad question. I mean, I, I I've been in. I, I mean, the the only place that I do it, I suppose, is Liverpool. Right. <laughs> because Liverpool is a city that you have to acknowledge you're in Liverpool. It's the only city where they demand <laughs> that you acknowledge where you are. And it's also a city that if you do it, you can, and you do it with grace and you do it without being a dick, You they do let you poke fun at them a bit. But, but a very gentle nudge, nothing too hard. Because they're very fucking proud. And um, so I, d I would say that Liverpool is the only place I do it yeah. because it amuses me to do it. But otherwise, no. I had a I had a uh, really bad time about eighteen months ago, and I lost my mum. And uh, oh, I'm at, sorry, I, Richard. I, I, it's fine. It's one of those things. Um, and my uh, brother was with me. My older brother was with me, and he said, he said, see if you can go and do some comedy in Carlisle and take your mind off it. So I went to the fire station, and the noise next door were playing the the the. Um, uh, sketch group yeah and uh, they'd clearly never been to Carlisle before they or they the way that they did it and they came on and they said um, can anybody tell me what's the best thing about Carlisle and somebody in the audience yelled out Carlisle United the football club and then they said what's the worst thing about Carlisle and I was sitting at the back with a solitary pint of beer feeling really low and my friend who I didn't realize was in the audience yelled out Richard Gill <laughs> <laughs> and they went is he here he's supposed to be Richard in London is <laughs> listen what I and love I, is that every comedian knows who you are well the next thing I was on stage with them doing this daft song and they really cheered me up and and I, and I thought I go around a lot of um, different cities not just London I, I go to Manchester a lot I go to Scotland a lot um, I come down to Brighton for the Fringe and it's fascinating watching all the different comedians in the different towns and cities. But um, that's that's really what I was getting at, any, any geographical differences. But I don't think there is. I think once you've got your show that is watertight, you're away and you just go and, and, and uh, do it to the audiences. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I think that comedians... I have a support act, so right. I, I, I make a... Partly because, you know, I've just like, I've got an hour, that's what I want to yeah, do. Yeah. But also partly because for a lot of comedians, it's very hard to get stage time and it's really helpful to up-and-coming comics to be given regular stage time by another comedian sure. uh, in, a, in nice venues yeah. so that they can get better. And so I have always appreciated when people... Are, helped me so i'm i'm like okay this is my turn to 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 do that that's wonderful but if but if i didn't have a support act then that 20 minutes or half an hour at the top would be spent emceeing it basically yeah, a little yeah. bit and finding out and talking to people and, and 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 using that time to do that and i think other comedians do do that um but yeah and, and if i didn't have a support act you know what i probably would as well too right, yeah, very much so. Who are your favourite comedians, past and present, then? God, comedians always get asked this question, and I can <laughs> never bloody remember. 
Um, you'd think I just have a stock answer, wouldn't you? After <laughs> all these bloody years, um, but no, I don't. I loved Victoria Wood when I was growing up and French and Saunders. They were my faves. I thought they were amazing. They were very inspirational to me. I feel like they have a, had a huge impact on me as a teenager yeah. and probably have a lot to do with my passion for comedy and why I'm in comedy. Yeah. Definitely. I think you don't... Seeing women do that made me realise that's something I could do. Fantastic. Um. You know, later later on now, I mean, as a comedian, who are the people that always made me laugh? I mean, I love watching Kerry Godleyman. She always makes me laugh, um, like she, always. Like you, she's one of my favourites. She's just got funny bones. Yeah. Um, I love watching... Uh, I just love watching people at the top of their game, really, yeah. whether it be in this country or um, comedians in the US. I, I mean, I saw Maria... Ba- I've seen Maria Bamford about three oh, times. She's and, brilliant, yeah. Honestly, every single time I'm just like in, just crying with laughter. I think she's absolutely brilliant. Um, You know, there are other women in the States like Ali Wong and Margaret Cho uh, that I think are uh, Paula Poundstone. um, Wanda Sykes is out of this world. I think she's phenomenal. Um, When I I asked uh, uh, Maureen Younger, who's done an interview here, she said you. Her answer was you because Aww. you're a very good friend, and I agree. She's a very good friend, that's yeah. why. Um, the reason I asked that question is that there's a section in my blog called The Ones That Got Away, and I've written 25 comedians who uh, have either passed on or I haven't been able to see. And every entry in my blog has got so many memories for me, and I think if, if you ask this question, memories do come flooding back because uh, it's... It is an extraordinary art form. It's interesting you call it an art form because I think most people, and I would include comedians, don't see it as an art form. And I think it's because a lot of the, our time is spent in clubs yeah. trying to make pissed up people laugh. And it, it let me tell you, Richard, it does not feel like an art form on a Saturday night in Nottingham. <laughs> <laughs> It's like putting some fires out. That's what it feels like. Ken, Ken Dodd had the great line. He, he described laughter. Uh, he, he said, Freud said, and he described this great long sentence about laughter going in his, coming through his chest and then out through his mouth. And he, and he described this wonderful vision of laughter. And then he said, mind you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Freud never played Glasgow on a fr- Glasgow on fire <laughs> on a Friday night. <laughs> he knows. Um, like me, before you were a comedian, did you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience? Yeah. Yes, I did. Uh, I, and I loved it. Yeah. I loved watching comedy. I, I loved watching live comedy more than anything. I used to, I, I used to, it was such a thrill. It was such a treat. And, and at a point where I had absolutely no desire to do stand-up comedy at all, like none. Like there, was no, there wasn't an inch of my body that when I first saw stand-up comedy live at the age of 19 or 18, actually, yeah. that I thought to myself, that's, I want to do that. I looked at them and I just thought, I don't know how you're doing that. <laughs> I don't know why you would want to do that. 
I love it. Yeah. But that is crazy. And I thought they were like magicians. I just thought how... And I genuinely didn't know that it was material that was written. I just thought they got up on stage and were telling these stories and they were just so clever and... You know, I think the first time I started to realise, oh, hang on a second, this is materialist, because I, 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 I saw Don McPhail about three times oh, in a very in very close space of time, brilliant. and it was the same material, as, as, as it would be if you saw me. Yeah, and, yeah, but yeah. I, but I didn't care, because I loved... I didn't care because I loved watching it. Yeah. So I didn't, it didn't matter to me. I thought she... I, Donna, Donna... She was Donna McPhail... Uh, the times that I saw her at Jonglers and at the Comedy Store, I just... I still remember now. Yeah. She was such yeah. a brilliant comedian, and she, and um, didn't she go into TV? Did, did she? Go into yeah, TV? she presented the Sunday Show right. um, with yeah. um, uh, Dennis Pennis was on it, and yeah. Paul um, Tonkinson. Yeah, yeah, they hosted it together. Yeah, That's superb. Yeah, twenty um, twenty, and what the time we're living in now. It's been a very strange year. Um, You've done many online gigs that I've seen. How do you find online gigs as opposed to live stand-up? And what do you think the future is for comedy? Well, hopefully live gigs. <laughs> Again. Please, please, please. Thank you. Yes. I, I think think the Zoom gigs are, are a great stopgap, yeah. but I don't think I don't think they, they are a substitute for, for going to sit in a room with a load of other people and being in an audience. It's just no, there's no comparison. You can't beat it. Yeah, I mean, look, there's something to be said for being able to do a gig and then close your laptop, go downstairs and pour yourself a glass of wine. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm not wholly against that. <laughs> um, but in terms of, a, certainly in terms of being uh, a stand-up comedian, this, this, if this was my future, I'd, I'd, I'd knock it on the head. Wow, wow. Please come back and do live things. I, I am exactly the same as you. I... I I don't know how I would have got through lockdown without the online comedy. However, I really, really miss live comedy because you, you're in a room and anything can happen in that room at any one time. That one group of people who are in the room, you're there at that specific time. And, and it's just magical to watch. I really miss going to a pub yeah, and, and a few beers and then going to the comedy. Exactly, and making that connection and you're having that sort of shared experience, which you just don't get online. You can't, you know, yeah. in your separate living rooms. Yeah. Um, just before we go, is there anything else you'd like to say? Have you got any online gigs coming up? Please mention your book, which I am going to buy at Easter uh, from Waterstones. There we go. <laughs> it's, please, it's, please. Yeah buy my book the other mother it's available at all bookshops i don't know if it is actually it might not be but uh you can certainly get it online yeah. uh it's a comedy memoir about um, um the first two years of my children's lives yes it is about parenting no you don't have to be a parent yes it is funny <laughs> no you don't have to like kids uh yeah <laughs> have you got any online gigs coming up uh no doubt well actually i've got one tonight but that's probably uh there we not are. of any use to anyone um yes i mean i've got various different online things going on um but it's nice to see that uh, i've also started to get some live work put Brilliant. in my diary for the summer well, so i'm really excited about that definitely i will i will come and see you again thank you richard i i hope to see you there that would be lovely absolutely and 
Um, where can people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Jen Brister, uh, Instagram at Jen Brister Comedy, the same Facebook. Uh, you can also find my comedy special on Next Up Comedy, yeah. Soho Online, or you can also find it on Amazon Prime under the Soho Theatre Comedy Package. Whoa. But it's, if you've got Prime, it's free. <laughs> well, I have, and I will. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh, just you. just just watch it, Richard. You don't just put it on in the background and go make some cup of tea. Just thank you so so much for your time. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. It's been a real pleasure, Richard. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, and all the very best to you. And I definitely will see you again soon. All okay, the best to you. Oh, all right then. Take care. Thanks now.